0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Video Store Nightmares, the podcast where we discuss the strange, the bizarre, and the socially estranged films of the VHS era. Tonight, we are taking a baby step into the spooky season, our first episode of October, and part of our Halloween-themed foursome, and that is The Pit. My name is Luke, and I'm joined by Leland.
1: Listeners, as of this broadcast, you can find 1981's *The Pit* on Tubi for the low, low price of free, with ads.
0: So this movie didn't have as much Halloween as I remembered it having. It, it, and I can be forgiven for thinking though, so because we only have one Halloween scene, but we get to see it twice. Twice. Yeah.
1: (laughs) This is the perfect American idealized town that would celebrate halloween on a very ceremonial basis so i would say you are forgiven and and even
0: though we only see that one halloween scene it is the perfect kind of halloween scene we got kids in costumes running around it's obviously fall i think we even see some jack-o'-lanterns what did you think of the halloween scene did it put you in the fall spirit
1: it really sets you up to think that this film is going to be more Halloween centric than it turns out to be. Yeah. But I still appreciate it. And it fits the theme. Why do you think that scene is at the beginning? I'm guessing the director or the producer, somebody thought that it this film did not have enough gusto in the beginning. So... To let you all know, hey, eventually there's going to be a pit and some things in a pit. Here's a teaser.
0: Yeah, so my understanding based on IMDb is that the original screenplay uh, by Ian Stewart was much darker and more serious than the film we ultimately got. And I suspect that it was the director's decision to put that scene at the beginning so it was obvious you're you're going to be watching a horror movie
1: even if that scene was not in the beginning this is a horror movie for parents (laughs) indeed yeah all right so what i don't know wait 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 let's put this trigger warning in the beginning of this episode if you are the kind of person who doesn't appreciate people without children giving parenting advice back out now
0: There is also, and I think I want to hold this till later, but there is an insinuation that the mother in this film hasn't been the ideal parent either.
1: Oh, no, I don't think the movie tries to exonerate the parents on any level. They both suck. Although in Jamie's, the kid's case, uh, he might have just also lost the genetic lottery before the movie even started. Yeah. So if I think most people, I think a lot of people have seen this movie, but
0: I never heard of this shit until you brought it up. No, this is a movie that I always saw in the video store when I was a kid. I don't think I actually watched it until like my late teens when I was starting to buy a lot of uh, old VHS tapes. So I saw this relatively young, um, but I I think it's a fairly well-known movie, like in at least in the horror movie circles. Anyway, if you have not seen it, um our this the is about a I don't know, is he 12? 14, 13, how old is this kid? I want to say he's 12. I think he's 12. They talk about him being 12. So we have a 12-year-old kid, Jamie, as our main character and the you know, hang on a second. I got to grab the box. All right, on the on the box, they call him a 12-year-old autistic boy. But the movie never explicitly
1: says he's autistic. Yeah, I'm surprised they put the A word on the box.
0: I was kind of surprised too. But it, did he strike you as autistic?
1: Yo, um, there, this kid is so deep in the spectrum. <laughs> there's probably levels of, of the spectrum that were not defined until this kid was an, analyzed by psychologists.
0: I mean, I think that's what we're going to do a lot of this episode is talk about what exactly is going on with this kid. But I will say that one thing I think this movie does really well is hmm, how do I phrase this? I'm around kids a lot, even though I don't have my own kids and there is a problem that is spoken about by experts and psychologists of like, what do you do with kids that are just unlikable? Like, this is just an unlikable kid. And I think the performance um, is actually really good. Um, it, it, the actor's name is Sammy Snyder. And I, I really do believe that he's like an unlikable, odd, possibly autistic kid. And it's I don't feel I don't I don't hold it against all of the other characters in this movie who don't treat him great because it's really hard to like this kid.
1: It's hard, but if you are a professional that works with children, specifically in a psychology field, you need to maintain a level of professionalism and integrity when dealing with people like Jamie.
0: Yeah, I'm mainly trying to exonerate like the little girl who bullies him. I don't remember her name, but she asks her mom. We see her ask her mom things like, you know, is he crazy or what's wrong with him? Why does he act this way? And she is possibly the worst offender in the movie in terms of being mean to Jamie. But I kind of get it. Like as a kid, how do you know how to act towards a kid like this?
1: Maybe by not going out of your way to be cruel to said people. Just yeah. because you don't like them or don't want to spend time with them doesn't mean you need to go out of your way to hurt them mentally or physically.
0: I totally agree. But we're talking about a, a little girl, like a 12-year-old. They they haven't uh, matured their emotional faculties yet.
1: Okay, true. But in, at the risk of jumping way too far ahead here, there is a scene where she deliberately sets up a trap for him to come by and get absolutely owned. Yeah. That is a level of maliciousness that I don't believe qualifies for the point you're trying to make. Now, I would say that in the wake of some of the completely awkward shit that this kid does throughout the movie, there are some perfectly natural reactions, especially on the part of his, what is for the most of the movie, his handler, Sandy. Um, in her position, it would be extremely hard to maintain professionalism throughout all the wholly bizarre shit that happens. I I actually think that she performs rather admirably in
0: terms of like keeping her cool and having patience.
1: I, okay, I totally understand why every single character breaks under the powerful autistic aura of jamie i totally get it but you still need to be strong when dealing with children even problematic children yeah but i you know to be fair i think sandy is thrown into a position that she never should have been in in the first place no no um especially with the parents knowing Jamie's problems that are pretty well-defined before Sandy shows up. They probably should have just hired a dude. And you you don't have a movie at that point.
0: I think the dad is kind of unaware, maybe like willfully unaware. And I think the mom is partly guilty of causing the problems. So I, I don't really know how much the parents could have warned her. But let's talk about
1: our performances here. What did you think of Sammy Snyder's as Jamie? I am a big fan of awkward situational comedy. I know it's not your cup of tea. It's not, no. But things like Curb Your Enthusiasm, Always Sunny, etc., cetera, um, are, are things that are truly dear to my heart. And even then, this film, specifically because of Jamie's performance, has so many awkward moments. Not to jump ahead, because, again, I feel like this is a great movie to watch. I don't think it's a good movie in general, but it is incredibly entertaining. If for nothing else, if you want to invoke the feeling of awkwardness in your life, this this is a way to trigger it. And I think it's Jamie's performance. Whether it's actually like some amazing acting performance, whether it's an amazing acting performance or a side effect of just the awkward script in general, it's really effective. Jamie had me convinced the entire time that he was this person. He, he This was actually him.
0: Yeah, we, we don't... He was only in seven other things, which I've not seen, so I can't comment on his versatility. But I do know that he was 14 at the time of the filming and that the IMD may... IMDb makes a point of saying that he would go out to the discos dancing every night so that leads me to believe that he's probably very different than a 12 year old sex obsessed autistic boy and I think this is one of the most impressive child performances I've seen at least in horror that's not to say that I think that I like it or I like him (laughs) as a character but it is very convincing um I
1: don't for a second doubt that this kid is who he seems to be was there any point in this film where you felt bad for Jamie
0: I mean there are definitely points where I felt bad for him like when the little girl bullies him I feel bad for him but it's hard for me to sympathize with him really I guess like I'm like, ah, that's a really shitty thing to do to somebody. But ah, it is Jamie. It is Jamie. Like, huh? you know, <laughs> that's the kind of feeling I have. But oh. what about um, so Jeannie Elias plays Sandy and she's been in 188 other things, but it's almost all voice acting in cartoons and video
1: games. Um, so that's kind of interesting.
0: But what do you think of her performance?
1: she plays a college student and actually looks like a college student and does all the things a college student should probably do uh, this job role though. Right. How in the fuck do you find a classified ad for child psychologist handler slash housekeeper?
0: Yeah. She's basically, she's basically what's the, the French term out pair. She's basically the au pair. Like she is, she's watching the house and the 12 year old while the parents are out of town. And at the beginning, it's kind of unclear. Like it just seems like they're going out on a date, but then they never come back
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> or they come back like a month later. Maybe that's part of the, that's part of the, the character building process for the parents where they don't want to be around their kids. So just go to Seattle and have someone else raise their kid. And hopefully that will somehow fix him. I think there is a degree of that on the dad's perspective. I don't know that the mom wants to leave him,
0: but yeah, I find her totally convincing. It's not a flashy performance. It's not, you know, showy or anything, but it's exactly what it needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. So this film was directed by Lou Lehman, who I don't know from anything else. He acted in some movies, wrote some movies, but this was the only one he was the director of. And then it was written by Ian Stewart, who I'm also not familiar with. He only wrote one other thing, The Highland Regiments of Canada.
1: Oh, my God. This guy also wrote Phobia. Phobia? Lou Lumen wrote. Oh, okay. The director did, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I was behind you for first, first step but remind me what phobia is um phobia which you can probably also find on youtube was um a strange slasher-esque film starring paul glasser oh yes i have seen this i kind of liked psych- it he's a psychologist that specializes in phobias exposure therapy for phobias and so all of his uh patients are constantly bombarded in this like chamber with whatever the fuck they're afraid with whether it be heights or animals or whatever and then they all slowly start dying and um it's kind of i'm just gonna ruin it man it's it, it turns out the the main character is the one who's killing them. <laughs> like he's killing his own patients off because yeah. they're not strong enough to overcome their phobias or some bullshit like that. The writing is awfully written film. And that's that's why I, I was just fucking aghast that the director wrote it.
0: I I have seen that film. I remember kind of liking it, like not thinking it was, you know, altogether good. Just I enjoyed watching it.
1: I I don't know why I remember this, but there is specifically a scene where the main character who is into hockey, that's his hobby, is in a hockey rink, you know, playing hockey with other players. He's the only character not wearing a helmet. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Like hockey, playing hockey without a helmet. Yeah, that sounds ill-advised. No, it's not the best. So let's, um, let's
0: talk about this, the premise real quickly before we play the trailer. Um, our 12-year-old autistic boy who's been left alone with his nanny clues her into the fact that he has secret friends who live in a pit in the woods, which he calls Trollologues. And um, it begins rather innocently with him trying to feed them candy bars and then that Escalates to him realizing that they don't eat candy bars.
1: And uh, yeah, what do you think of this as a premise? For about the first quarter of this film, you will wonder if these things are actually real or if this is all going to be in his weird psychotic mind as he's actually murdering these people in the woods.
0: Yeah, he, all, he, that view is reinforced by the fact that he has an imaginary friend teddy bear named Teddy who we hear speak to him but it's Teddy is clearly just like his id right like his bad impulses
1: it's even it's done by the same actor too it's just done in like a a creepy voice cuz it's a bear that's not totally not supposed to be talking to you right yeah uh, but
0: originally apparently the the screenplay was as i said earlier much darker and the logs were um, explicitly inside of Jamie's mind. It, it, the movie did not lead us to believe they were real, but
1: they're clearly real in this version. There, there, this is one of those plots where, like, the stars align. Like, not only does this kid have a very specific form of autism and social awkwardness that just. Really shines even among all of the other things we've watched on this show, but he also just happens to have stumbled upon a pit of mythical creatures in a in the middle of the woods that somehow no one else has managed to find I do really like i i it's totally ridiculous because it wants us
0: to think this pit is like i don't know a hundred feet away from the playground and people's backyards and yet nobody else has ever seen this, I don't know, a hundred foot circumference pit full of creatures.
1: And it's hard to imagine that these creatures who are undoubtedly thousands upon thousands of years old have not just figured out a way to get out of this pit.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Nope. They are stymied by an entire, I don't know, 20 feet, maybe?
1: Yep, yep. I mean, they essentially are like Ewoks, right? So they can't uh, really jump. Uh, yeah, apparently they inspired the Ewoks. Did you see this on IMDb? Uh, no, but I don't... Su- that seems kind of a stretch.
0: Yeah, so it says, It has been suggested that George Lucas took inspiration for the design of the Ewok
1: characters in The Return of the Jedi from the pit monster trogs in this yeah, film. I'm, I'm going to need a source on that because anybody can suggest that unless George himself was like suggesting that he got it from the pit. I, I would totally dis- disagree with that. Yeah. Disregarded. Apparently the pit took two weeks to build. Hmm. One
0: other bit of trivia I wanted to mention. So apparently the composer of the score, Victor Davies, did the score in three sessions what did you think of the score i can't even remember the score (laughs) (laughs) that is entirely fair it's real i think it's really bad i mean it's well done it's just very um stock score like stock epic movie drama um suspenseful type score depending on the scene but it never seems to fit the movie It, it definitely isn't unique I think it's one of the worst things about the movie. So, hey, how about that trailer? Yeah, let's play the trailer um, and then we'll talk about the story.
2: Not that I don't love my son, Mr. Riley, I do. But I've never been able to understand an otherwise normal boy who lives entirely in his own head. Oh, Jamie, what are you doing in here? I he was just watching you sleep. And we had an incident here with some old lady in the community. <laughs> Seeing him swinging in the trees out back with nothing on except some Superman cake or something. He'll grow up. Surely, my dear, but into what? One of those people's. He's not crazy. How old is your boyfriend? He's not normal. He's distressing. I think I'm going to tell her about the things. The secret. Careful, Jamie, careful. I know where there's a huge hole in the ground. Big hole in the ground? And at the bottom of the hole, down in the dark, there's some things. nasty
0: people don't we? So let's skip the Halloween scene and and get to that chronologically, but from the very beginning of this movie, it wants it, it wants it to be clear that Jamie is obsessed by sex. Um, we see him in the beginning having to write on the board in class. I will not bring adult books to class. And the teacher
1: is looking through this book of nude photography. What did you think of his, uh, his obsession? It doesn't really seem like an obsession at first, right? Because, you know, he is 12, he's growing up, you know, his body is changing, Luke. Yeah, he's curious. Right. And that's normal. I mean, not bringing the books to school, but being curious. It really isn't until the next couple scenes where you realize something's quite not right here. And it wasn't the fact that he apparently pushed a bunch of kids into a pit in the scene before.
0: <laughs> right. No, I mean that's see,
1: I do you like the fact that that scenes in the beginning like No, not at all because I don't like it either. No. I kept I kept thinking how does this fit chronologically? Does, is this afterwards or before? It took me a hot minute to realize that it doesn't happen chronologically until about halfway through the film.
0: Yeah, I've seen the film before, but it was even confusing for me it, because it, it gives you no indication that this is a flash forward. It seems as if it, it happens chronologically. And so it, I, it's just
1: very strange. And then what's weirder is that they play the entire scene frame by frame a second time. I know. In the middle of the film. What a lapse in judgment. I don't think this film needed the boost, man. I mean, this movie does not come off as a horror film in like the first 20 minutes, but there's enough here to keep you like flabbergasted.
0: Yeah. Cause we quickly see that not only did he bring this book to class, but he cut out one of the naked women and he, did he glue the librarian's face on top of it?
1: Yeah. So he
0: send it to her.
1: Yes. Um, he is. I would say he has a crush on the librarian, but I would imagine Jamie just has a crush on older women in general. Everybody,
0: like everybody every in the movie. Woman.
1: Yeah. Well, not the little girl. And no. He does not seem interested in kids his own age. He is well, no, skipping that step.
0: They have to have boobs, right? They have to have like an adult female
1: body. An adult female body, right? So I think that's why he's like idolizing just older women.
0: All right, so let's let's jump to this now because I think it's really important. Okay. There's there's a scene where he coerces the nanny into giving him a bath, and while she's bathing him. He says something like, my mom, why does my mom bathe me so much? Like, why does she touch me so much? And I took that as a suggestion that whether she intended it or not, he viewed his baths with his mom in a sexual way. And like, do you think it do you think he's been abused
1: So I think he's been abused, but the movie is not clear on what kind of abuse we're talking about. Yeah. Because Jamie is reading into it as, why does my mom think I'm so dirty? Because he keeps getting washed. So then is the mother using baths as an excuse to sexually assault her son? Or... Is she actually having some sort of obsessive compulsive thing going on where she just obsessively washes her kid and then the resulting fallout is what we're dealing with in the pit?
0: You know, the way Jamie says it, I thought that the mom had molested him. But the the mom's performance, the way she acts in the couple of scenes we see her, it seems almost like she's just such a doting, obsessed parent that she couldn't possibly say no to Jamie or set up boundaries. So for her, it's like if taking a bath with her son brings them closer together, or if Jamie's curious and wants to see what she looks like without clothes or uh, wants to know more about, you know, his private parts or whatever, like I think she'd give in. I think she'd go along with that stuff, not maliciously, but just because she doesn't know how to create boundaries.
1: We are skirting into like porn hub incest territory right now. Well, I think that's pretty fitting given Jamie's character. It really is. This kid was born before his time. That time being, you know, ubiquitous availability of streaming pornography.
0: Oh, yeah. Because we we know that he likes to have adult women give him baths. He likes uh, nude pictures of women and like Playboy magazines, which he keeps Stuffed under his mattress. Um, and we know, we see in the very first scene, we see him interact with Sandy. He crawls under the dinner table so he can look up her skirt. Like, he is the classic definition of a perverted kid.
1: It feels is- like there's there's got to be something stronger than the word perverted here. <laughs> yeah, what word do you would you use? A deviant. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I'd say deviant is a stronger word for... Jamie's predicament <laughs> but yeah. yeah we have this scene where uh, the teacher who confiscated the book realizes it's taken from the public library so she goes to turn it in and uh, I just want to say did you notice the librarian's glasses in this scene? Uh, I don't remember what they looked like they are they're ugly I want I want you to see this. I, mean, I think I remember liking them. Oh my god. But I like really ridiculous glasses. Well then look, as a glasses fetishist, I don't appreciate these (laughs) for what it's worth. All right, hang on. I gotta screen share these. Okay. I hate to say it, but I like them. Um these glasses look she looks like she's wearing her glasses upside down. No,
0: I like this style of glasses. It's a very 70s style where the where the arm that goes back over
1: your ear goes to the bottom of the lens instead of the top of it. It looks like they're upside down and it is just flying in the face of everything we understand about ergonomics. Just absolutely awful. These these are terrible glasses. Uh, I kind of like them. No, those are terrible. Anyway, I just wanted to bring attention to those. Could you see what was written
0: on the note that he gave her?
1: Um... I don't remember, so let me see.
0: I, re- I, I watched my VHS tape, and I could not tell. Okay,
1: so Jamie cut out a picture of a nude woman, well, topless, um, from the book that he took out of the library. And the, he then put, pastes it into a note. Well, not really a note. It's more of a, a collage of sorts where that is topped with a profile like headshot of the librarian that he sent this letter to. <laughs> and yeah, I, I'm i pretty sure at the bottom, it just has her name on there. It says Miss M and then her last name. Oh, OK. It could be some like sex joke. And but the last name, you can't really read it from the. Uh, oh, no, it's her last name. It's Miss M Livingston. So, yeah, it just has her name on there.
0: Oh, or is that his last name?
1: Oh is his God, name Jamie Livingston? Oh no. Oh no. No, his last name is is uh, Benjamin. Uh, oh yeah,
0: Benjamin. He has he's one of those people with two first names. Yeah, okay, weird. I,
1: I, I found this weird, but um this but, well hey man, you're not alone. Just about everything this kid does is fucking weird. I did find the
0: like the reaction of the librarian throughout this to be really believable. I, I don't think the librarian's likable. I think she comes off as a
1: bitch too, but um, I did find her very believable. I totally understand her level of defensiveness around this child. Oh, me as well. Yeah, but I don't really like the way she interacts with her niece either. I think I said she
0: was his, her mother earlier, but she's actually the aunt of this little girl. Yeah.
1: Either way, the guardian of the yeah loop. yeah.
0: Do do you want to talk about the scene where um, Jamie prank calls her?
1: This is the dumbest fucking shit in the film. It There's really no is. way someone would fall for this. No, because and even the the planning, the mechanics don't work out. Like, no. If you think about it. Jamie is
0: sneaking around outside this woman's window. Trying to snap nude photos of him because he has called her from a payphone and is playing a voice recording. So as he's outside her window snapping pictures, she thinks she's talking to him on a recording. But it there's no way that would work. Like the responses would not match up this
1: well. Yeah, no, it it it's too convenient. And I would like to think that a librarian would be smart enough to be to say, oh, to scrutinize to the point where, oh, something's up with my my niece or aunt or what, what the fuck ever, the, the little girl. Let me go check on her. She's in the fucking house.
0: Yeah. Instead, she stands in front of the window and complies with the instructions to like take off her clothes, which I don't understand. If, if you knew the person could see you. I think you'd be a lot more panicked and curious than this. Like I'd be trying to see where they were watching me
1: from. Well, you know, at night, it's a lot easier to look into windows than see out of them because if you have a light on in the room, it, it, you know, it refracts off the window. You can't really see outside very well, especially if it's dark and there's no no lighting. Um, But she doesn't even try. No, she doesn't even try. No, I I don't mean to sound like I'm trying to defend her or her actions or the way this entire scene is written. Uh, But there's that. But yeah, on the one hand, like I think this scene
0: really contributes to how creepy Jamie is because we even see him later in bed with her photograph saying, oh, I'm going to be looking at you a lot or something like that. And it's super cringy, creepy, bizarre for a kid, um, for anybody, I suppose.
1: Uh, But on the other hand, the scene itself is really dumb. I just don't think it would work. One thing I want to mention is that Jamie is an active amateur herpetologist. He uh, has a terrarium, which, you know, mostly pets like snakes and frogs and stuff are stereotypically believed to be kept by creepy white people and and jamie upholds that stereotype hook line and sinker um but the the thing that really triggers me about this scene where we finally see his terrarium is that he has all of his animals in one terrarium there's like three (laughs) four different types of frogs um multiple lizards and a whole fucking snake (laughs) <laughs> yeah all chilling in the same <laughs> swamp terrarium yeah
0: i i thought the whole i mean i think them all being together was just because nobody who is associated with this kid has bothered to learn anything about <laughs> uh, you know reptiles and amphibians and snakes that you know eat frogs and all of that but um, I think this is supposed to be a really obvious metaphor where he's dropping crickets into the terrarium. Just like later he'll be pushing people into the pit.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I I thought this was to establish that Jamie's the sort of person that like, it would be easy to for him to make the leap since he already lives, uh, feeds living things to his pets.
1: Sometimes I have a reoccurring, I wouldn't call it a bad dream. It's just uncomfortable where I own tarantulas i have two right now and i don't know how long i've occasionally been having this dream maybe like once or twice a year i'll have a dream where for some reason thanks to dream logic i will be putting multiple animals in the same terrarium which then results in them hurting and eating each other Mm -hmm. and it, it gets me stressed out in the dream because that should never ever happen and this scene fucking triggered that yeah it um i
0: didn't i mean i i noticed it and like thought it was silly or weird
1: but it didn't really bother me i just thought it was a mistake oh god yeah well i mean this whole kid's life is a mistake uh indeed the his dad when when
0: his dad and mom are first meeting um the the nanny sandy uh the dad even the dad says that he thinks he's a nutcase. And the mom's like, he's not that bad, but clearly the dad is
1: not one of the kids defenders. There's a scene here where Jamie, Jamie tries to time Sandy's uh, night routine to to the point where she'll be wearing pajamas (laughs) so that when he asks for water, a glass of water, she'll be uh, looking more uh, seductive as she brings him a drink.
0: The 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 thing is, this is what this movie does so well, because on the one hand, Jamie thinks that he's being incredibly clever, that this is like a clever scheme to get her in where he can see her, you know, almost naked. But it's not clever. It's clever for a 12 year old, but it's not clever. Like she can see right through it and tells her one of her boyfriends about how, you know, he's a little creeper. Um but he thinks it's clever, and that's obvious. And I just think that's a really astute move by the movie. It's very convincing.
1: There's no way we can cover all of the depravity that this kid pushes onto other people. Um, there There's a scene where he is in Sandy's bedroom as she wakes up and she has to cover herself because she's just wearing a nightgown that you know gets open as you toss and turn in the middle of the night. And he saw everything. <laughs> Yeah, knows how long he's been there.
0: She's clearly distressed. And he says, I was just watching you sleep. And then so he's I think in that moment he's genuinely naive and like doesn't know why she would care about that. But then when he realizes that she's you know upset, he says, You don't need to worry about me. I wouldn't do anything to hurt you. And then he adds, after all, I'm only 12. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like just naked manipulation right like it's so blatant that he has no skill or subtlety it, it he is very but it's not this is not bad acting this no, is how this is how someone of this personality in the age i think would be like just he doesn't hold anything back everything is obvious But yeah, I found that scene particularly upsetting, even if I was like, even as a non woman who does not usually fear for my uh, privacy or my bodily integrity, like if I woke up and some kid was standing on the side of the bed watching me while I was naked, like I would be really
1: creeped out by that. I really want to get just at least one quote of this kid being fucking creepy
2: How old is your boyfriend? Well, he isn't really what you'd call a boyfriend, Jamie. He's just a friend. Why don't you finish up your drink and go outside and play? I have work to do in the house. I don't play. I spend most of my... time. I'll get it! I said I'd get it. That's very nice of you, Jamie. but well women nowadays can do things for themselves why don't you go outside and do whatever you like i'm gonna go talk to teddy is teddy a friend of yours well is he sort of
1: okay that was not the quite as awkward as i remember it being but
0: what do you think about her response that
1: women can do things like that for themselves? Mm, okay, so this is 1981. All right. for, for those who are unfamiliar with this scene, she basically just drops a knife in the kitchen right at her feet, and she just immediately leans over and gets it before he can dash across the entire kitchen to get it. Um. So 1981, I mean, more women are entering the workforce. I mean, I know this isn't like the the cusp of like, you know, the feminist rights movement or anything, but women are getting more independent at this point in American history. I, I guess I just found it odd because
0: before she said it, I didn't get the sense that he was saying this because she was a woman. I just got the sense that this is something he could do, right? Like he could accomplish getting the knife and maybe she'd like, admire him for being able to do it like a heroic thing but she I would go
1: out with him for picking up the knife
0: <laughs> right I don't know it just seemed <laughs> it just seemed like a weird response it it, it seems like what he's doing is bigger than just treating her like a helpless woman it's like he's mad that he doesn't get the opportunity to like self-aggrandize yeah he just wants to simp for her really hard he makes no secret about it. I mean, he talks to her blatantly about how like she can be with him, and he's he won't be young forever, and age is just the number and things
1: like that now we want we were talking about professionalism earlier on her part. This is probably more of a problem with the writing than with her character, but she constantly puts herself in situations uh that encourage him seemingly encourage him. To keep acting this way,
0: yeah, she is not. um, She does not uh, uh, establish boundaries. Like, she is not an effective parent figure in this situation. Will you
1: give me a bath? The only answer is no. No, I will not. Right, you are fucking twelve. Do it yourself. His his response is, "Well,
0: the bubbles will be covering me." And, and <laughs> she ac- she accepts that reasoning. She says something like, Will you just make sure you keep it under the bubbles? <sighs> Maybe if this kid was like three, I don't but this kid is practically a teenager
1: and very clearly excited by you. But you know, again, we we can blame the writer on this probably. <laughs> Of course this was written by a man. Yeah <laughs> When when he asks her, you know, do you have a boyfriend?" The answer is yes. Yes, you do. A hundred percent of the time. <laughs>
0: I did Did you find her relationship situation confusing?
1: Like did it make sense to you? I think she was just crushing on a football player. And she hadn't sealed the deal yet, but then the deal was sealed. I'd imagine.
0: But she has another boyfriend too.
1: That, that dude didn't show up until football player disappeared. So So I figured she just moved on really fast. I think I thought she was seeing both of them. And the reason was there was a
0: point where Jamie asks about, you know, whoever, and she says, Oh, well, he's not really a boyfriend. He's just a friend. And, I don't know. I couldn't keep them straight. I I got the impression that she was seeing both from the very beginning and that she was trying to keep the one kind of secret from the other.
1: I might not be remembering this correctly, but I'm pretty sure second guy who has a mustache. That's how you can tell the two white guys apart. Um, Second guy with a mustache does not show up in the film until after Jamie deals with the football player, but we are jumping ahead
0: but i think that she already we don't see him but i I mean mean, i'm
1: not saying she can't be a player i'm not saying that i'm just saying that i did not get that um that impression because she was exclusively seen with the football player up until he was no longer in the film
0: I would need to rewatch it and be very conscious of names, but I I feel like she was talking to mustache guy on the phone at a few points, um, and that she wasn't talking on the phone to the same person she went out with, which was the football player. Hmm. But I don't know. Hey, anyway, this this is not important
1: to the yeah. Movie. This is like so not important to the movie at all. Um, what's Can... important here is you know Jamie, throughout this film, is an absolute creep to this girl. And the script demands that she keeps walking into this brick wall repeatedly so that we can keep getting um, these feelings of awkwardness. (laughs) We can't cover them all. It's the whole film.
0: No. And that that defines his relationship with everybody in the movie. Um, can, Can we play the scene
1: where they're looking at the bike? So to preface this, across this entire film, Jamie only meets four people his own age. There is a girl at the end of the film there's the girl that we're about to cover in this scene and then there's a bully and the bully's girlfriend who um we see in the very beginning of the film and then again frame by frame in the middle of the (laughs) film yeah our halloween scene so here we are uh jamie being introduced to just how well his age group accepts him
2: how dare you touch my bike no Uh, i i was just gonna but i was just gonna why don't you go back where you came from funny person if i see you near my bike again i'll tell your father and i'll be too bad for you they'll take you away
1: i like how (laughs) after she rides off on her bike he just kind of does like a shoulder shrug like the fuck just happened
0: (laughs) yeah he's he, I mean, the movie does this as well as... it Also,
1: he's, he's completely unaware of what makes him different from anybody else. On he, one hand, don't touch other people's private property. On the other hand, come on, man. You, you know, this kid's mostly harmless for you. You're not a grown woman. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean, I think at their level, or at least at her's, it's not even that level of awareness. It's just something's different about him. None of them really know what it is, but it's something that sets him
1: apart. Yeah, man. You know, little kids at this stage of their life are in that othering phase, that primal survival instinct where you have to categorize people to increase your chances of survival uh huh so oh man this kid's fucking weird he can't be part of the main group get him out of the tribe what What did you think about her level of uh insult
0: though yeah. funny, person. funny person get burned <laughs> she's obnoxious like this I, I totally didn't mind what she did
1: <laughs> I'm <laughs> I didn't mind when this little girl was eaten alive by prehistoric monster creatures. <laughs> nope, not at all. <laughs> but there is an amazing follow-up to the scene where, um, you know, it's after this where she speaks to the librarian, her older relative, who imparts her analysis on Jamie's psychology and then It sets us up for this amazing scene. I think it's probably one of the best scenes of the film where we are introduced again to the little girl.
2: Hi there, Jamie. Wanna try my bike? Well, sure, if you don't mind. No, I thought about it. And I realized I shouldn't have yelled at you like that. You really aren't a funny person. I kinda like you. Well, you sure now? Sure, I'm sure. Go ahead. (laughs) What on earth is going on here? I let Jamie try my bike and I didn't tell him that it wasn't all in one piece. Abigail,
0: that's awful. Jamie, you shouldn't play with her.
2: I wouldn't play with that crud if she was... You stop laughing. (laughs) You should just go home. I didn't even do anything. You should have been here, Aunt Margaret. It was the funniest thing I ever saw. Come in, (laughs) right now.
1: If I were Jamie, I would totally fell for this shit. Think about the level of premeditation in this scene this Uh little girl is sitting in front of her house for an undescribed amount of time pretending to tune her bicycle and clean it up seemingly in one piece just so that he can come around ask to ride the bike and then totally eat fucking dirt because the bike is not in one piece and falls apart as soon as he tries to ride away. Yeah, this little girl's a bitch. I think that goes beyond
0: bitch. That is cruel. Yeah, it's it's too bad that Jamie just makes everyone feel like they need to be cruel to him. Right. It's his fault. <laughs> I'm totally victim shaming here because that's what the movie wants us to do. Right. Like the movie wants us to think Abigail, the little girl's a bitch. But they also want us to understand that Jamie is a like a creepy. It, he's a child molester in a little
1: boy's body. That's not fair. He didn't molest a single child throughout this film. (laughs) Just grown women.
0: (laughs) So this follows the scene where Abigail, the little girl, was asking her aunt, the librarian, if Jamie was crazy. And the aunt says, no, he's not normal. He's just distressing. And the little girl says,
1: that's what I thought they all are does she mean all men that's what i kind of interpreted but when this scene starts i'm thinking oh maybe she's come around (laughs) yeah understands (laughs) that maybe jamie's just a little different but that doesn't make him a bad guy you know based on her her available knowledge at the time and uh yeah then we get totally punked i would have fell for this shit i would have I would have totally hopped on that bike and died. Yeah,
0: I, I was the same as you at the thought at the start of this scene. I thought that this was going to be a scene where the librarian as the responsible adult, the mature one said something like, yeah, he's just a little different. And maybe we should help him understand like what's acceptable and what's not. And like be patient with him, you know, that kind of thing. Nope. Distressing. Earlier, we mentioned the scene where Jamie is watching the the nanny sleep, and he says he'll make it up to her by cooking breakfast. Can we play this scene where he first tells her about the trala logs?
2: Would you like to know my secret? If you promise not to tell. If you'd like to tell me. I know where there's a huge hole in the ground big hole in the ground? It's in the woods, about a mile away. And at the bottom of the hole down in the dark, there's some things. What kinds of things? They're not people. That's for sure. They got yellow eyes, little tiny ones, and they're all hunched up. I read about them in a book or something like them. I think they're trolls or troll logs. Do they talk to you, Jamie? It isn't funny, you know, I know. I'm sorry. What I meant was, can you hear them as well as see them? Well, I can hear them sometimes. They're always down there. I think one of them died. No one else in the whole world knows about them, but you. Except you. You know about them now.
1: (laughs) Oh. And you know about them now. And then he just (laughs) leaves the breakfast table and runs outside. He does
0: a lot of that, like just abruptly running away, which might be a realistic character trait. I'm not sure.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, you don't have to clean up after breakfast if you're the first one out, right?
0: Well, my favorite is when he there she's confronting him because he's been stealing money from her and he just runs away and hides <laughs> behind a bush and then he pops up holding a bunch of like weeds
1: and says, I picked you flowers, as if that's gonna make everything better. Oh uh, yeah. Uh Jamie is not the hide and seek champion of this mm- small town. No, nor the nor the cross country one.
0: But yeah, so we first, this is where we hear about the logs for the first time. Uh, what did you think of
1: them once we see them? You know, if we did not have that scene in the beginning of the movie, this would be like really out of left field. Yeah. Maybe it would have been better that way. It I think it's so jarring.
0: I don't know. I See, I think that it's not like this is the only jarring part of the movie. Cause there's a, a shift later on where we kind of change points of view where I think that's equally jarring, but, um, but yeah, if you had never seen the movie before, this would be a truly shocking moment. And I think that it
1: should be, I think that would work better. So yeah, he runs out into the woods. We see the pit for the first time and, uh, deep in the pit, there's, uh, A soundstage in California with four Ewoks in it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think they look pretty cool. They have like flashlight eyes.
0: Yeah, the flashlight eyes are a little silly, but otherwise, like, and they don't have a lot of mobility, but when you're just looking down at them in the shadows, I think they look kind of creepy and also borderline realistic. Like if there was a prehistoric, uh, primate type creature that this might be a realistic vision
1: i don't know about realistic but i will say that they do look very late 70s early 80s special effectsy like they got that that look for monsters and it's a cool look i appreciate it yeah so i While we're talking about the Trollologues, who are apparently, you know, maybe a million years old from the time of the dinosaurs (laughs) living in this fucking pit. Let's talk about his teddy bear at the same time, Uh because I was convinced that there was going to be a big reveal at the end where this teddy bear who talks to him would somehow be secretly connected to the pit. And before you say that, you know, this teddy bear is only supposed to be talking to Jamie. There is a scene where his very unfortunate housekeeper, Sandy, is cleaning his room. And God knows what you're cleaning out of a 12-year-old's room who acts like this. Uh As she is leaving with laundry and such, probably full of like crunchy socks and shit. The teddy bear actually turns its head and looks at her as she's leaving. <laughs> We're really led to believe that this teddy bear is going to have some supernatural connection to what's going on. I think the movie wants us to be confused about things
0: that we would never be confused about. Like, I think, I think it wants us to genuinely wonder, are the tralalogs in his head or not? Is the teddy bear in his head or not? are these various things that happen in the movie imaginary or, or realistic? And so it, it throws like red herrings at us, like the teddy bear turning its head to make us ask questions. But I don't think we really do.
1: I think it's pretty clear what's going on the whole time. Do you think, you think maybe they added this either as a red herring or to make their movie seem deeper than what it be? Yeah. One of those. It, it does feel, it feels like the movie doesn't need this kind of padding. This is a movie where something happens all the time. There's like no downtime whatsoever. Except no. for the fact that there's a repeat scene. Word for fucking word. I do think this movie tries to do too much.
0: But I'll, I'll dive deeper into that in a little bit. Let's just say that for whatever reason, Jamie is really concerned that they're hungry and he needs to feed them. And so... Sandy kind of jokingly suggests candy bars. And so he tries that, but they don't seem interested. And then he realizes that maybe he should start using meat and then proceeds to steal money so he can buy meat from the butcher shop and throw it down. What do you think of this, um, this strategy, this
1: escalating strategy to feed the, the troller logs? I thought the butcher was going to expose this kid. I did too. And he ends up not showing up after the these first two scenes because he's the only person who's like, hey, man, your parents are out of town. Where's all this meat going? Right. Like, what's going on? But this ends up not being a sustainable plan because this housekeeper only has so much money. And apparently meat is fucking expensive. We're just buying a shit ton of it. I think, I mean, I think meat at a a butcher
0: like this is probably more expensive than... You know, Publix has it, but regardless, um, it's he takes like twenty dollars. Like that's really all he spends.
1: Yeah, but twenty dollars in the eighties was like something like eighty dollars nowadays. So yeah. imagine if this kid stole eighty dollars out of your fucking purse on top of all the other shit he's pulling.
0: I did forget to mention there's a scene where he's racing out of the butcher with like all the meat in his arms and he runs into the little girl, Abigail, and she says, look, it's clumsy, stupid, (laughs) (laughs) which is like a very John Waters line to me. And then the, the aunt says, no matter what you think of that boy, I don't want you to talk to other children that way. And the little girl says, that's not a child. It's uh, and we don't hear what she says, but I thought that was I thought that was a, a really interesting
1: scene. So what is uh, what does Jamie decide to do after he can no longer afford the you know meat program? What does it go from here? Well, there's possibly my favorite scene in the movie
0: where he tries to convince a cow to walk there with him. Can we play that scene, the cow scene?
2: Look, cow. You don't know it, but but somebody's gonna come and take you away and kill you. Make steaks and hamburger out of you. Look, I've got some friends that eat meat too. And I gotta take care of them. I'm gonna take you to see them. And I gotta get you to fall down the hole. Or else they might starve or even get out. Come on, cow. Oh, I didn't want to hurt you, anyways. Guess it's better this way.
1: But see, that's the kind of musical cues I really hate. The like, yeah. 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 Like 1940s sort of thing.
0: Yeah, like it's a Charlie Chaplin video. I don't. uh,
1: It's so silly, but I do like when he talks to the cow. I thought that was really funny. How he doesn't technically want to hurt a cow, but he's fine with pushing a little girl into a pit full of monsters.
0: Yep, because that's the next step. Teddy talks him into it, right? He's telling Teddy, like, I've done everything I know to do. And Teddy says, then there's only one thing left, isn't there? And they agree that it, they're not going to push any nice people,
1: only nasty people. And so, yeah, Abigail is the first on the list. You know, this bear says only nasty people, but let's talk about who ends up going into the pit. It's done, like, in a very cartoonish montage. I think a regularly written movie probably would have drawn out each of these instead of hyper-focusing on... um you know, the strange character peculiarities that are going on throughout the town. No, I mean, this kind of reminds
0: me of the montage in Hellraiser where what's-her-name is bringing men back to the house so that she can kill them and resurrect uh, Frank. That, that's also, I've always found that odd in Hellraiser too because it's like a 20-minute a sequence where we see all of our murders. And that's how this movie does it but it's more cartoonish here probably doesn't help with all the musical cues and they're really silly like i think he hits abigail with a slingshot to knock her off her bike is that how he gets her off
1: it's a tripwire that he has set up in the woods okay then he takes the bike and, and- uh, that's how he baits her to get into the pit
0: Right, but she is just running after him and doesn't even seem to see this gigantic pit. Like I thought, well, maybe he had made some sort of cover for it so it would be disguised. No, he just leaves it there and lets people walk into it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't really have to look very hard to find video on the internet of people falling into holes that were just right there, but I still think this is a little egregious. Yeah. Not only okay, I can understand maybe a a little kid falls into a hole, right? You know, kids fall into wells all the time, and Lassie has to save them. (laughs) But you know, a college athlete not seeing this hole, yeah, that was the most ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah. But victim number two is an old woman we didn't talk about that ended up hurting Jamie's feelings earlier in the film. So of course she had to go. Yep. Inexplicably, he's able to wheel her not only to the woods, but completely through the woods on no path whatsoever um to get dunked into this hole. And this is especially ridiculous because
0: she's like throwing her hands up and screaming the whole time, like this was a cartoon again. And uh nobody notices, right? Jamie yeah. does all of this in open daylight. Like even after he kills the little girl, he rides off on her bicycle. Like an idiot. Like wouldn't you just want to
1: hide that evidence? To be fair, we are later introduced to probably some of the most incompetent law enforcement that we have seen on this show. Yeah, they're pretty pitiful. it's just really saying something. So he dumps the old woman in the wheelchair off and then Sandy's football boyfriend's man on the side, whatever you want to call him. He's next. Sandy, for some reason, thinks that maybe he could be a positive influence on Jamie if they throw around the old pig skin. So they uh-huh. go to the woods, gets the kid, to gets the guy to go long for a pass and then falls right into the pit. So he's gone. And then finally, we are to where we were at the beginning of the film, where a bully and his girlfriend are offered up to the trollologs in a very drawn out like 10 minute scene where uh jamie does sort of express some remorse for dumping the girl in there i think he maybe just did it because he needed to get rid of evidence he needed to maintain the sanctity of this fortress of solitude
0: yeah i mean i think he even says at some point like i'm only doing this because otherwise you would tell or something but I like this 10 minutes. It's my favorite part of the movie. Probably, I mean, it's the Halloween part, right? But I really like what he says to her before he pushes her in. He says, you're pretty, but you're not pretty inside. People being bullied and hurt isn't funny. You probably spent your whole life giggling at other people's hurt. You should go too. That way, you'll be together in heaven. You're both the same. I thought this was great, but it was way too eloquent for Jamie. Like, this was like the screenwriter
1: blatantly putting his theme in the center of the movie. I guess the only thing missing here was him saying, and you need to go into the pit, trademark. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Although apparently this wasn't originally called the pit. It was going to be
0: called Teddy. Well, that would have been a letdown. Yeah, I like the name the pit. I like the concept of this movie i don't know it's i was about to say i like the concept more than the movie
1: but that's not really true they just seem like very different things yeah, I- yeah. They're, they're trying to marry two different concepts and i'm not saying it couldn't be done but there's not enough of a thread to link them outside of just the fact that jamie found a pit in the woods
0: Right. So like the the tagline on the front of the VHS is down in the pit. There's something alive, half human, half monster, half crazed. Pray to God it only kills you. So like that sounds cool, but that's not this movie. This and I'm not saying this movie is bad. It's just a totally different thing than what that suggests. Do you want to jump to where uh, where Sandy finally goes to see them? Yeah, I think that's the next point. I mean, there's so much we could talk about, but it's just too much. No, we like, can't.
1: We're we already can. running long. There are so many better films we have cut short on that I, I don't want to. I don't want to use that goodwill on this film. <laughs> so, OK, so the next victim is unfortunately Sandy herself, who finally decides to follow this kid into the woods against her better judgment upon seeing that the monsters are real. She is obviously astonished that this kid was telling the truth. <laughs> right. But then immediately tells him, listen, this is like a major archeological, archeological find. The scientific community needs to know about this. And my first thought was, you know, the first thing scientists are going to do is put it in a fucking chamber and dissect them
0: which is what jamie says which yeah. i thought
1: was was pretty astute of him i thought he was gonna push her in right yeah but unfortunately the simp power is too strong he he does not push her in she falls in all on her own yep yeah <laughs> college he, educated psycho cycle psycho, psychology major housekeeper child expert slips into a pit and dies
0: yeah, almost but,
1: instantly. Well, uh, he, he tries to pull her out, but he, he ain't pulling shit out with that upper arm strength, man. No he ain't college athlete.
0: But I really liked their whole conversation here because I, She, you know, she brings up, yeah, this is a significant find that the scientific community needs to know about. She says that their race must be thousands of years old. And she says there's paleontologists who need to investigate this. And Jamie's response is they'd put them in a cage or they'd experiment on them, which I think is a pretty astute observation for a kid. And then she comes back with, well, what about your frogs and lizards? And I thought that that was a pretty clever response. And uh, and she, she blatantly admits, she's like, look, I know I promised not to tell anybody, but the only reason I did that was because I didn't believe you. <laughs> so yeah, she ultimately slips and falls in. But I
1: liked this whole scene. I thought it was really interesting. After her unceremonial death, the movie does take on a very strange perspective, no longer following Jamie specifically, but instead... Bouncing back and forth between him and an ensuing law enforcement investigation, with a level of professionalism that makes Keystone Cops look outstanding. Um, they the- are—we're talking about a small town where a white child, a college athlete in the prime of his life, and a—well, this didn't exist back then—but a extreme silver alert. And now a college age, again white, um, woman are all missing. This would blow up into a federal manhunt at this point. Yeah, I couldn't <laughs> the media believe media would run away with this shit. <laughs> there are Netflix documentaries on it.
0: <laughs> I couldn't believe that they hadn't already combed the entire forest for like missing people or bodies. And, and would have certainly discovered the pit but no but the only
1: int- i mean if you want to try to give the script credit the only thing you can say is that the cops are so inefficient at their job that it just never got to that point maybe they didn't want to do the report maybe they you know made the wrong judgment call on whether or not to actually create missing persons reports but come on man this happens in like the course of a couple days something's got to give no but the it, they're totally incompetent but the
0: tone and like point of view of the whole movie switches here even from sandy's death where before we saw like almost benny hill sketches right where he pushed people in and funny music played but when sandy dies we actually see the trollalogs like ripping her apart and eating her it's very it's very like graphic and then the music gets much more serious here. And um, it becomes like we follow the trala logs because at some point he lets them out, right? Like he throws a rope down to them because he doesn't want to have to feed them anymore. He's too guilty over Sandy's death. And then we kind of leave Jamie altogether. And the movie focuses on the, the police and the trala logs that are
1: roaming around killing people at random. It isn't until Sandy's death that that we actually get to see gore in this film. All the fucked up shit beforehand. No violence involved. No violence needed. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It really shifts here. It feels like a different movie. But yeah, he then decides, you know, I don't want to be responsible for you anymore. Be the masters of your own destiny. And he gives them a rope. And that's all it took. Thousands of years. And they finally (laughs) were able to... (laughs) climb out yeah he says
0: he says sorry there won't be anyone else most he says most other people are pretty nice people which surprised me i didn't think he would be that generous um he says i'm sorry i can't feed you anymore you'll have to take care of yourself i don't know why he didn't foresee that taking care of themselves would involve killing all of the nice people but yeah he's only 12 Yeah trolley problem ethics are too advanced
1: for Jamie we're then uh, welcome to a body count montage a collection of scenes where the Ewoks are running amok and eating random townsfolk there's a scene where they uh they specifically ambush two skinny dippers and there's a very interesting fact on this from IMDB where the director of this film was specifically forbidden to, to film by his wife to film any scene involving nude women except for this scene at the uh, skinny dipping because the woman was his daughter uh-huh what the fuck is that logic <laughs> i guess you
0: wouldn't i i guess she was giving him the benefit of the doubt that he would not be attracted
1: to his daughter uh, yes, you can look at these giant tits because they belong to your daughter. That's totally normal. Please direct your movie about a sexual offender, autistic, like, associated murder child. Have fun. Do,
0: do you think, and I know this is a departure from what we are just talking about, but do you think that
1: this idea for a movie like this script would be made today? Not at fucking all. No, this film would be seen as putting the actor through child abuse. Like that, exposing them all this stuff. (laughs) I was pretty surprised because a lot of times in really graphic or
0: perverse movies, they'll film it where the kid doesn't actually have to be in the scene, right? The kid is saying things, but in response to totally different lines and just edited in. But this kid... This gets the star of the movie. He's in every scene. It, it he is clearly in on all of the context here. So yeah, eventually people start um, seeing the tralalogs doing this. Uh, one farmer uh, thinks maybe it was a uh, uh, one of those things from the zoo and
1: orange tongue. Orange tongue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So law enforcement does what law enforcement does best. They rile up a, a vigilante mob. They go into the woods to round up the orange and uh, they're kind of pushovers. They just kind of immediately go back to their pit and hide where then the, 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 the angry mob surrounds the pit and fills them all with lead and that's it. They die. Yeah, we
0: saw this scene um shortly before that where we saw them like munching on all the bodies and it, you know it's all it's all gory and I'm like oh these things are monstrous but then when the police shoot them full of bullets and they're lying they're bleeding all over one another I felt sad for them too. I was like wow this is really
1: cruel. They didn't understand what they were doing. No, nah, they're just like animals. Not only are they dead they Scientists can no longer study them; they're gone. No, they might have had glowing demon eyes, but
0: they're just a species. We should, well, we we should have, we could have researched them and then Jurassic Parked them. You know?
1: Yeah, let's let's be honest, man. If the government got a hold of them, they would just just tried to figure out a way to weaponize them. We got to figure out: can we breed with them? Can we get yeah. a hybrid? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Super trlologue soldiers.
0: So these shifts in this movie are like out of left field to me, where Jamie or um Sandy dies. Then we get this weird dark tone while we shift points of view to the police and the trolologs. And then we see Jamie being driven out to meet this elderly couple on a farm where he's apparently going to be living. Are these his grandparents?
1: Like, what these happened? Are his, his... These are his grandparents. He actually calls them grandma. What I'm assuming is that the parents could no longer afford or convince anyone else to watch their demon child, so they dropped them on the grandparents.
0: It's just really weird to not see that. Like, that seems like a major plot development for the movie to not even talk about.
1: This movie is already an hour and a half. Do you want it to be longer? I don't know. This is, this would have been an interesting detail. I would have liked to
0: see a five minute scene where the parents talk about how awful their shitty kid is. Or maybe the father is like, I know you're abusing that boy and you like him more than me, blah,
1: blah, blah. And I, (laughs) I, I would have totally been in for a scene like that. Yeah, you're right. That would have been, that would have been on brand for the pit. Right. But then we're led to a scene that is, Honestly, I thought this, I saw this shit coming a mile away as soon as she showed up. There's a little, there's a neighbor girl about his age who's like, wow, you don't seem so bad. Let's hang out. And she, Jamie's probably thinking, man, not having a history that other people know about is great. Yeah. <laughs> she, she actually, her, her tone is really hard to read.
0: She says, we can play together. Okay. In a really provocative way, like she's coming on to him. And I'm like, all right, this girl is the
1: perfect match for Jamie. So they run, what, maybe about a mile from the house through the cornfields into the woods yep. where, surprise, there's another pit and it has <laughs> trollogs in it. And he's like, oh no, I know what these are. And she says, I do too, and pushes him in. <laughs> <laughs> And the movie ends completely unresolved fucking teddy bear plot.
0: <laughs> I, I, I like that. Uh, he tells her there are trala logs and she says, yes, I know. As if everybody knows that term.
1: Had you ever heard that term before a trala log? Never. This is the <laughs> first time ever. And I I am a fantasy nerd. I've never heard of this shit. All right, good, because I th- I felt like when I was watching it, maybe this was a
0: like a rite of childhood, the fear of the trala log that I just missed out on, because uh, I was like, I'm not I'm not a significantly older than this kid. Right. So around that same time was when I would have been growing up. But nope, it's a new one for me. Yep. We just get a freeze frame on Jamie's screaming face while the credits roll. I thought this was a really weird closing image because I'm not sure if they were trying to be really disturbing, like look at the horror
1: of our child protagonist dead, or if it was supposed to be silly. Like, well, he ain't dead yet. He, you know, he's just kind of blurred, blurred screaming as he's fallen in motion. <laughs> right. I don't know. Did you think it was trying to be goofy or really shocking? i definitely don't think this film is trying to be super serious although really the the real horror in this movie are not the monsters in the pit it's the kids behavior and how the adults have to interact with that sort of thing
0: yeah i really can't tell what tone this movie's going for you want to get to final thoughts and
1: reviews i I just apparently already started final thoughts so um go go ahead give your final thoughts and a rating out of 4 okay so this is really just two separate movies joined together by a very thin sausage link and it probably would have been better if they focused on one or the other it's just strange that the thing this movie is named after is just not as significant as uh the saga of Jamie and his interactions with, you know, his parents, his caretaker. That's not even her role, but that's really what she comes off as. Like she is his his caretaker. Like he's an animal that <laughs> needs to be watched. A fierce orange tongue, if, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, well, let's let's cut the fat here. <laughs> this is not a good movie, but it is a really fun to watch. Um, definitely great for groups. Amazing to make fun of. It's really effective in how awkward it will make you feel with how Jamie interacts with not just adult women, but also <laughs> the child, his, the children his own age. The script sort of, bounces back and forth between whether or not he is actually a master of manipulation or just a really fucked up person but you really shouldn't get bogged down with those kinds of details i'm i'm a big monster movie fan and i didn't really care about anything that happens after after he lets the monsters out of the pit as far as i'm concerned the movie should have just ended at that point with a reign of terror that we don't see resolve i think that probably would have been better I don't know if we really needed to see poetic justice of him getting pushed into pit two. Maybe that was a setup, right? Like, you know, the start of pit two is the little girl picks up Teddy, and Teddy's like, we're going to be a team now. <laughs> pit two was
0: clearly pit one, by the way. it <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's very obvious, this obviously the same set.
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a scene after the monsters get murdered where the town just decides to bulldoze it over and forget it ever happened. And you that can is, tell that that's probably what they actually did to fill it up at the end of the movie. It's a really strange scene, though. It hints at like so
0: much broader action that we don't see. Like It, it makes it seem as if the town realizes that this has been a crisis on the scale of like The Blob. You know, and the the whole town comes together and has to heal from its grief. Whereas, I think that the town would most likely be like, "What was up with this fucked up little kid that was pushing people in there?"
1: <laughs> That's the thing, though. The town never figures out that he's associated with the pit. No, he just gets away scot free. Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for poetic justice, he would have got away scot free. Right. Right. I mean, at least in the blob, the. Federal government gets involved. I'm talking about the original one. Well, also the the remake. But, you know, in the original, the government comes and takes it and drops it in Antarctica or the Arctic or whatever so that it can never escape. That doesn't happen here, man. This little town, they say, yo, I bet the police were like, yo, if the feds find out about this shit, we're going to lose our jobs. So we're just going to, you know, as a small town, take care of this ourselves and uh, no one else has to know about it. Yep. Yeah. Them city slickers don't understand life out here in the woods with the uh, trollologs <laughs> I'm little, I'm kind of struggling on a star rating here. But I I'm I'm going to give it a generous 2 stars because I will not forget this kid's performance anytime soon. When I think of like fucked up kid films, this is probably going to be in my top 10. Probably top 5 not only for his amazing performance, but for just how awkward he can make everyone feel. And I'm not even a woman. I, I I can imagine like a grown-ass woman watching this film and just getting fucking creeped out from this little kid and maybe getting some traumatic flashbacks. I don't know. Two stars. Yeah, I
0: imagine this kid is not like his performances because I was looking on IMDb and like, he played Tom Sawyer in a Huckleberry Finn TV series. And he played a child in an American Christmas Carol. Like he he wasn't, I am certain that in these other roles, he did not come off as perverted as he did in this movie, or those movies would have developed uh, cult status as dark, perverse comedies or something. Um, his performance is really effective. I don't really like this movie. I think it's really interesting and his performance is really interesting. And I think there's a lot of like strangeness to it that makes it fun and um, interesting to talk about. Uh, I think the trial themselves are cool. And like the Teddy aspect is cool, but the sort of awkwardness that Leland finds funny is just awkward to me. Like, It's not really comfortable Um, and the movie's not quite well made enough for me to like take it seriously and be really disturbed by it. So anyway, it kind of sits in this gray area where it's it's interesting enough and strange enough that I definitely am glad I've seen it and like talking about it. But it's not quite so strange and perverse and uh, interesting that I'm going to watch it, you know on an annual basis or something. Um, As a Halloween movie, it's got one cool Halloween scene in it uh, that very much feels like Halloween. Otherwise, it feels like fall. So I think if you haven't seen this movie, it is a good one to watch around this time of year Um, and maybe something a little different from the typical like Halloween night type movie. Anyway, uh, I, I agree, two stars. I think that that's fair. I'll probably definitely watch this again, but it's not going to become an annual favorite.
1: Yeah, I just I just want to keep harping on this fucking teddy bear, man. I I really wish it led to something greater. Yeah. I thought for sure that it was actually going to be like a trollalog in a fucking costume, and or something, and <laughs> a it was, baby trollalog. Yeah, or like a ringleader or something, and that was the reason why he was drawn to the pit but that connection is never made. No. Like, they took this novel idea, decided to take the monsters and make them real, but then just didn't follow through on the details necessary to really solidify that on the script.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Like, If they had stuck with the idea that the Trala logs were also in his head, then a whole lot of the movie, the reality of it would be questionable. But since the tralologues are clearly real, then that makes Teddy just a weird
1: aberration. It's like this X-Files universe where there's just all sorts of weird fucking phenomenon going on and we just have to accept it. You can't have that, man. You can't have that. It's a movie, only one phenomenon at a time. That's a good analogy, though. All right. So let's talk about what we're watching next week.
0: We're watching our the second in our series of, of Halloween, autumn, fall-themed films with one of, I think, the best and the eeriest made-for-television films of all time, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow from 1981. So the same year as The Pit,
1: right? Uh have, are you familiar with this one, Leland? I'm familiar with the title and nothing else. But well, you can find it on YouTube. Yeah, this um I think I think many, many people
0: were first creeped out by this, seeing it on TV and maybe went years not really knowing what they had seen. And then finally found it on VHS or saw it on IMDb and was like, oh, that's that movie I saw that creeped me out. Um, the VHS tape is very expensive now, but uh, it has, I think, just recently finally gotten a DVD release. So it's, um, it's definitely accessible. But yeah, up on YouTube. So if you haven't seen 1981's Dark Night of the Scarecrow, check it out. Join us next week. And until then, you can follow us on Instagram at video.store.nightmares where I post everything we do. Leland, any last words? Thank
1: you for your continued support.
0: Have a wonderful week, everyone. Enjoy spooky season. And join us next week to talk about Dark Night of the Scarecrow.